Do you do you clap or sync or anything like that? No, because the Zoom, it's already synced up. So we should like, clap oh, to sync it just because I like that idea. <laughs> okay. Okay. It should be so nice. Clap. Ready? <laughs> okay. It should be, should be <laughs> so, so nice. nice. <laughs> oh, I did it. <laughs> I'm here because I wanted to talk to you about us. Just close your eyes. Yeah. John. Eric. Would you like to introduce our guest for today's episode? Sure. Our guest today is a very good friend of both of ours. Also uh, teaches sketch, so he's, for for no other reason, makes him uniquely qualified to be our guest this episode. Please welcome Nate Smith, everybody. Woo! Yay! Woo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Was there any other specific things great. that I didn't ask? I, I didn't mean, ask. you could have talked about, you know, like, acting career. And... Sure, sure. You should say, Nate, you are our first heterosexual male on the podcast. <laughs> So, Nate, were you, what is your, what was your, like, level of interest in Madonna? I love the show. The, what I feel like I, when I, let's say there's some little reference that'll come up and I'll say like, oh, I was listening to this podcast and I heard that, um, you know, when Madonna was doing that tour, this happened or some, some anecdote, you know, and, or some piece of data. Like it recently, I remember relaying something you had said that she, uh, Madonna holds the record for the most costume changes in a movie in Evita. Oh, yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, that's such a good fun. Like if you, th- <laughs> it's one of those pieces of trivia that like, if you thought about it, if somebody said who holds the record, if you thought about it, you'd go, I think I could actually use knowledge to figure this <laughs> out. Like I think I could actually make an educated, logical art guess. I said that to someone and then they said, oh, what's the podcast? And then I start describing it and I inevitably end up saying, it's like this opportunity to reflect on the significance of this person who has been around so long that her celebrity has like, it's become so, it's be, it's not like it's dimmed, uh, like the star has dimmed. It's that it's so omnipresent that it doesn't, I don't I always take the opportunity to reflect on its... <laughs> brilliance or impact you know yeah and or how bright that light shone for how many years as it were so listening to the podcast is like oh yeah it's all this reflection on four decades of music and it's not just that she kind of you know defined this whole way to be a pop star and it's not just that she had so many hits it's that so many of those hits are songs that we all like and not just that, but some of them are like, oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite song, pop songs of all time, you know? Right. So yeah. inevitably, and then inevitably that leads to saying, and also she's doing a world tour and of her greatest hits that's happening. And it's going to be like a year long or plus year plus long. And why wouldn't we all go? You know, it feels like, <laughs> yeah, go. You want, we have to go to that. It's a cultural phenomenon. Everybody has to go, you know? I think so, too. Everyone go.
I've also never been to a show like a sh- one of her shows. You know, I I don't think I've ever been. I've been to lots of bands and lots of musicians. But you don't feel like you've but, been to like a pop tour kind of thing. No, definitely not. What kind of like what music? What genre? And is there like a genre of music that you gravitate towards to see in person? Yeah, or I mean, I've seen like all if you're gonna put on, mm, it changes. I mean, yeah, for me too. I, I've listened to more Madonna since your podcast started than I have been <laughs> since MDMA, I think probably is the last. Is there like, uh, something that has surprised you in your return and your sort of like- Yeah, I, I'm surprised at how like much she experimented with music. Like I didn't think like her sound, I didn't think she did that. I thought she just wrote songs and, and then, you know, like her sound changed and stuff and her vibe changed and her persona kind of morphed. But I didn't realize she like, had done so much like you know like was like recording beats and like yeah Mm -hmm. creating these big long sort of epic soundscape dance tracks and stuff and and that to me was like oh that's cool i like that she did that you know i think Uh, she i I think something that people don't yeah talk of people she doesn't get a lot of credit for but i think that for a big period of time she really excited other musicians like yeah. musicians wanted to work yeah. with her because she was on the forefront of right. pop music all the time. And so pe- people would get really like, oh, my God, yeah, but work with Madonna. I get that. And, musicians and producers. You know, that's the the two tracks that just came out. The one, the collaboration with The Weeknd apparently mm-hmm. went well enough that The Weeknd was like, <laughs> I want to do a whole Madonna album, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like The Weeknd is kind of a weird musician like you know he he does sort of atypical sort of breaks the the mold kind of dude and i clearly could see that like they must have had some kind of spark that they found you know and i think that track is cool popular i think it's a cool one But we're not here to talk about that. We're here yeah, to we're talk not about, about Madonna's <laughs> comedy performances. So before we get into uh, what Saturday Night Live is, Eric, you have some trivia for us? Oh, I'm stoked. Are you excited I was for hoping trivia? this would happen. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Trivia is where you learn the most. It's like the learning part of the podcast. And then the rest is just anecdotes about like, okay, so yeah. I remember seeing her and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so we're talking about Madonna's Saturday Night Live performances of which right. there are several for her first one was in 1985 when she hosted the show musical guest with simple minds and then over the years throughout the years she's made cameos and a couple musical guest appearances so i was thinking about you know what how to go about this trivia and i realized that something else happened like right around this time in 1985 which was that her, a lot of people think of her first movie as Desperately Seeking Susan, but she was actually in another movie before that, which was a, technically, I think, a student film that only got released because she got famous. Okay. This is not the question, but John, do you know what that title's called? What that movie's called? I or Nate? I don't. No. Okay. It's a movie called A Certain Sacrifice. Oh, oh yeah now yeah okay now i remember okay wait a minute that was a stu- oh so wait did it get remade no it got it just was like it was shot in like 1979 1980 and maybe part of 1981 and it was very low budget 
And then when Madonna got famous, I guess the guy who directed it and co-wrote it, Stephen John Lewicki, uh, was like, oh, holy shit, I have a Madonna movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then and the money showed up and he was able to make it. <laughs> well, he like had it all yeah, done. And so they like it got released on video and then in some art house screenings too. It's not very good. <laughs> I, I'm going to read you the description of it just because I like the description of it from Wikipedia. Madonna plays the part of Bruna, a Lower East Side resident who lives with three love slaves, one woman, one man, and one trans woman. Bruna meets Dashiell in the water fountain in Washington Square Park, and the two fall in love. And fall in love is in quotes, and so is love slaves. I don't know why. Bruna later tells her lovers she does not need them anymore, resulting in them attacking her sexually. Later, Bruna is raped by Raymond Hall in a bathroom at a coffee shop. To exact retribution, Bruna enlists her love slaves and Dashiell to abduct the rapist. They dress up as prostitutes and lure him into a limousine. They lead him to a theater where a satanic sacrifice is performed. Dashiell later wipes Raymond's blood all over Bruna. Whoa. So that's what happens in a certain sacrifice. The question is, in an interview, when it came out, when the movie was released, Stephen John Lewicki said that Madonna has more sexuality in her blank than most women have in their entire bodies. We could, I could have we, multiple choice, but we could do it as just like a snatch game. Madonna <laughs> oh, has like who, whoever's closest, you mean? <laughs> yeah, more sexuality what, what, in her. What body part we're closest to? Okay, I'm gonna yeah. say pinky, pinky fingernail. That was also one of my choices for for multiple choice. So I'll we say think about... baby toe. Nate, you win. You are closer to. Uh, it's her ear. Her Madonna ear. has more further of the body. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends. Yeah, that's true. Because if you are at the bottom of the body sitting? and then start at the top, yeah. Of the body, are you in a like, yoga position? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Are how you, are we? How are, are you, you in, sitting? Are, are you in happy baby I right can now? See him, I can. If see you're him happy Madonna baby, they're equidistant. Her hands. And, um, yeah, they are. They're holding the yeah. toe. Then I started reading in Madonna song by song more about her early days. You know, she had she had like a an aspiring career for a long time before she made it as a solo artist. She was in a couple of bands, different configurations. Bre Breakfast Club, right? Breakfast right. Club mm -hmm. yeah. and then Emmy. So which songs from her? OK. Which one of her singles, which one of her songs as Madonna, the single, was also a song that she recorded with her band when she was in a band? Ah, like what? Okay. okay. So your choices are Over and Over, Gambler, Stay, White Heat, and I Know It. I'm going to say Over and Over. I'm going to say Gambler. Okay, Nate, you're two for two. <laughs> was it over wow. and over? It's over and over. So it's wild. So then I was like looking at it and there's like later 
She recorded with Stephen Bray, who was her drummer. She recorded like a demo version of it, which I think they weren't necessarily like in a band together. He might've been part of her band, like Madonna's band. Mm -hmm. But then there's a, this tape called the Dan Gilroy tapes, or like the lost Dan Gilroy tapes, who was her boyfriend, who was in the breakfast club with her. And you can hear like snippets of them recording songs. And there's a little snippet of her singing again and again, over and over. And I think in over and over, it's I get up again, over and over. But you just hear this little like 10 second clip of her going again and again. So I feel like that was like a Breakfast Club song that they were at least working on at some point that then she morphed into the song that we know it. That's what later. I guessed over and over because of the simplicity. I was like, she's probably 19 or something, you know, yeah. 17. The um, um, the other song also, Burden Up, was recorded back then, but I didn't want to have like two right answers and three wrong answers in the multiple choice. Smart. Yeah, that would be a trick. Yeah. yeah, my friend, how dare you? <laughs> oh, okay. Then this last one is also from. Then I was like reading the song, the titles of songs that she did record demos of back with her band, and I was like, oh, she she had themes even back then uh, that are present in Madonna oh, yeah. songs today. So I'm going to tell you six song titles. Six themes and six which theme was no. okay. Sex was six. one. Religion, six. love, Caught religion. Sure, Christianity was one. Okay, these are song titles, actual song titles from our band days, but one of them's fake. Okay, okay. drowning, love express, <laughs> shine a light, get up, celebrate love and tell the truth. They're all like variations on actual Madonna song. Yeah, Love Express, I think is, Love Express is like an AI generated Madonna song. It's like, just take components of songs and put them together. Right. All the lyrics are the same. They're just like mishmash. Love, Love Express is your guest. Okay, John, do you want to hear him again? Yeah, I'm sorry. They're just, they were, they're really good. <laughs> they were really good, yeah. Drowning, uh, Love Express, Shine a Light, Get Up, Celebrate Love, and Tell the Truth. I'm going to guess Celebrate Love. Okay, John, you got me. That was the made-up one? Yeah, Celebrate Love was the made-up one. Uh, okay. But Love Express is really a real song. I can't wait to hear it. Get ready for the Love Express. One, two, three. Here's a bit of trivia that might pivot to our topic today. How many times has Madonna uttered the immortal phrase live from New York? It's Saturday night. I think she did it once. I think it's twice. Is it twice? Eric, you are correct. Oh, she did it twice. Because we watched both of them. Live from New York. Live from New York. It's Saturday night. It's 
I'm excited to get into this because okay. tucked into this conversation about Madonna's performances on SNL is a great deal of history of this American is comedy on surprisingly TV. Yeah. like unique specific episode and like a moment in SNL history. So let's get into it. So Saturday Night Live. Uh, if you don't know what it is, real quick, it's a, a sketch comedy show that happens every Saturday night and airs live. It's been happening since the 70s. The year that Madonna hosted was its 11th season. The first five seasons were iconic, produced by Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels went away for five seasons and then came back for this season. So this is the first season. Lauren Michaels is back producing the show. Every single person in the cast, this is their very first time performing on SNL. Uh, so, and this is the first episode of the season. So this is like this. Everybody on the cast is new. The entire it was cast brand was new. Very first performance. There, were, the previous few years were, Jean. What was their name? Demunian. Um, yes. Yeah. It took over the show. Lauren started the show with Dick Ebersol, and then left the show. The new producer took over, Gene Demo Demonian or like, fuck. I'm blowing it. Anyway, he brought in. So that was like an era of some iconic SNL talent, like Eddie Murphy was then. Yeah. yeah. And Julie Louis Dreyfus, Joe Piscopo. Right. Billy the Crystal was on was during Billy that Crystal, time. Martin Short and those, all that. But then when, when he wanted to move the show away from being live and that uh, Dick Ebersol on the network didn't agree. So they brought Lauren Michaels back, fired him. And then he started with a new cast. And this new cast was Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> though he's not billed yeah. that way. Right. Anthony Michael Hall was 17. Yep. Oh my God. Nora Dunn's in there, who's Joan stuck Cusack. around for a while. Joan Cusack, John Lovitz, Randy Quaid. Weird cast. Terry Sweeney, who is, we'll get into it, but yeah. by far the highlight of the whole <laughs> Denitra yeah. Vance. episode. Damon Wayne was, a, was yeah. a featured performer. And Dennis Miller, this was Dennis Miller's. This episode is the first episode that Dennis Miller hosts Weekend Update, which is something that he was sort of like as an iconic run at. So it's this very unique episode that has all of this happening and was this okay this was in october so it's early on in the it was season november 9th this oh, was november 9th but, okay this was but the still it's probably premiere. a few episodes in oh it was this no, was this she was, was season premiere. premiere yep so this is the okay. whole cast and madonna's first time on yep. it wow that's wild i now want that, that cast is fame that's a lot of those people have done a lot of sure. stuff they also most of those people did not stick around on saturday night live very no. long <laughs> most of them got canned after a season that's so, okay they did okay Robert Downey Jr. did, did okay. Joan Cusack yeah. did fine. Anthony Michael Hall did fine. I wonder. Have he done yeah. those John Hughes movies at that point? Yeah, probably. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. yeah, I think okay. that was probably part of his notoriety. In fact, I feel like he was offered. I'm gonna I'm gonna screw up this story, but I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing my best, Karina Longworth, <laughs> unresearched. I think he was offered Full Metal Jacket. I think. You could just yeah, say, we like, we say things on this podcast all the time that right. then later I listen to and I'm like, that's not actually true. But we say it with absolute <laughs> confidence and certainty. If, <clears throat> if it wasn't Full Metal Jacket, he was offered another like iconic, dramatic role. Like Anthony Michael Hall? Charlie like a platoon. Yeah, Anthony Michael Hall. Maybe Charlie Sheen's role in Platoon. I doubt it. But it was something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he turned it down because he wanted to go a different, he wanted to go like the comedy direction. Like, imagine the arc of Anthony yeah. Michael Hall's career <laughs> if he had gone, done that, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I want to uh, uh, derail he does look really, further, if I he might. He does look really young. He does look really young on it. Like he's, he's young. Like, he's 17. He's 17. Yeah, he's the youngest cast member yeah. ever, I think. 
Yeah. It was funny to know that and see him playing like businessmen and yeah. <laughs> sketches. And right. Stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you couldn't um, get into that bar that you're pretending to order a drink no. at. Exactly. That's what I thought that too. <laughs> so it, the funny thing I wanted to note that again, we're, I'm going to go completely off the rails here on the Love Express, but. <laughs> I too, when I teach comedy, sometimes people don't know SNL and I do the same thing. I no longer assume that anybody knows what it okay. is or anybody watches it or if they know that they've ever watched it, you know, because right. lots of time that happens. The other day, John and I were out to dinner and I was talking about, I mean, SNL was like a really formative part of the reason I pursued comedy mm -hmm. and still is. And I, you know, it was a big, important part of like what I watched and what I cared about and stuff. And I brought it up with John and I said, and it, I was sort of like, what were your kind of like iconic comedy things that inspired you to pursue mm -hmm. comedy? And they were so different than mine that I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. Cause they were great. And, and like, I remembered a lot of them, but they were also yeah. like, just so completely different. Like a Judy Garland Christmas special. <laughs> yeah. It may as well. Have been. <laughs> The comedy the, uh, on I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Name. <laughs> what? Oh, it was because the movie The Cable Guy came up and, and he, John said, oh, I never saw it. And I was like, oh my it, God, yeah. I watched it like 15 times when it came out. I saw it in the theater like three times. So what were yours? Do you have any that speak, spoke to you, Eric, at a time? I don't think, but I don't think of myself as somebody who's like pursuing comedy and I never really did. I like, I met, for those of you, who are listening to this, Nate and John and I all know each other from performing at UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade. From comedy. From yeah, comedy. From where... <laughs> yeah. But I never was like, I don't watch a lot of comedy and I don't. But like, did you I... have, whether it be like a special, like was it like, one of those things for me was like Paula Poundstone's stand-up special. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. You know? I think it's amazing though, no matter what you see on television or in the movies, no matter how awful it is sometimes, Someone wrote that down on a piece of paper. <laughs> Remember the old Snickers commercial where the, where the woman's brushing the horse and the guy interrupts her to ask her what, what time of day she enjoys a Snickers bar? <laughs> and she, she, she says, well, along about noon when your appetite's uh, poking at you, poking at you. <laughs> Someone wrote that down on a piece of paper. And so, I watched the like, shit out of that special. I watched it like 10 right. times. So formatively for me, I would say Whoopi Goldberg's first yes, one woman that show. Was another big one. What's that name? That wasn't shit. It's so funny. John said the same thing, and I was like, "Yes!" Like, I don't, I don't think I ever saw it, but I always watched every uh, Laugh Aid. Laugh Aid is that what it was called? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Com comic relief. No, Laugh Aid. What an asshole! Jesus. <laughs> It sounds it's like, like a, a sketch comedy uh, name. Of it's it. a Welcome Mad Magazine yeah, yeah. version of. <laughs> the other thing that I think was really formative to me in terms of comedy was when I was in high school, I had a, an audio recording of Sandra Bernhardt's Without You, I'm Nothing. You know what I'm in the mood for right now? A little bit of Bert. I knew that like a lot of the jokes went over my head. 
because I was, you know, 15 year old suburban kid who didn't understand New York, but like I loved her rhythm of her humor. And I was like, I'm going to understand this one day. I just need to like get there and do it. Was it, um, did right, she right, sing right. too? Was it a, or was yeah, it like a cabaret, a, full cabaret thing? Yeah. But a chair is not a house. And a house is not a home. Also relevant to Madonna's comedy career, sure. Sandra Bernhardt, and <laughs> yeah. like her life yeah. in New York. I had a Sandra Bernhardt like performance out, like singing album. That was great. I thought I don't remember what it's oh. called. Oh, yeah. Just like her just singing. It was just her saying, I mean, she yeah. she did some banter and stuff, but it, was, it yeah. was earnest. Yeah, she's a talented lady. Oh, sure. I'm going to segue on all our behalfs. Simon Bernhardt, like Madonna, I think, is one of those people who is really like a, uh, she's charged, like you either love her or hate her, you know, mm -hmm. like, sure. I feel like that's the way my, I remember my cousin talking to me about Madonna. My cousin was like the one who always had her albums and stuff. And uh -huh. She she like owned the Justify My Love video and we watched it like a thousand times <laughs> sure. when it came out because she was so into Madonna. But that was often the thing. Like people hated Madonna. Oh yeah, passion. absolutely. Yeah, and the people that loved Madonna were like, yeah, she's like the greatest. You know, mm -hmm. definitely. The thing that I don't have a person like I can tell that Madonna is sexy, even though I'm not like sexually turned on by her, but I, I could tell that she's super, especially during that early years and then going into like the blonde ambition. We'll talk about this later when we get to her on the uh, Wayne's world thing where she's just like exuding sexual energy. Yeah. She's a total mm -hmm. vamp. Now that we have yeah. a, now that we have a heterosexual male on our <laughs> podcast, do you find like, I always wondered if like, if like in general, if like straight guys, if they found that, like how that hits them, is it like, cause it's theatrical mm -hmm. in her sexuality. It's like, it's vamped up. It's dominatrixy. It's like intimidating to me. And I guess it would depend on each individual person and you don't have to reveal too much about yourself, but do you find her <laughs> like, like, is she sexy? Yeah. Super sexy. Yeah. Or was there a time? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, watched the blind ambition would have been on hbo yeah in, yeah right in the 90. eight mid 80s yeah, yeah 90 okay i remember watching that with friends at a, like a sleepover or something and i remember thinking like this she's super hot in this and okay. it wasn't just that she was sexy it was that the show was sexy like she was all there was a lot of writhing and grinding and stuff yes. like that yeah But generally, I always felt like the celebrity of her kind of outshined her. The way I heard, I once heard an actor talking about like movie stars and saying 
sometimes when you see a movie with like Angela Jolie or something in it, you look at them and go, Oh, look at that movie star pretending to be a, a doctor, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like it takes you a while to like, let go, you know, and be the artifice is so prominent when you think of someone that's as big a celebrity as a Will Smith or a Denzel or, you know, mm-hmm. it, that it's hard to like, not to totally buy in. Whereas if it's like a character actor or something, you're not thinking like, Oh, that's JT Walsh playing a, yeah. you know, a truck driver. <laughs> you're, you're just thinking like that, that guy's a truck driver. He's a perfect truck driver. Right. So that to me was sort of the point I'm making about Madonna. Like it, it always was like her, her she was such a celebrity first to me that it was like, yeah, I it's mean, like she's sexy. Ma- Madonna's take on being sexy. No, she had it. It's just like it was impossible to not see her also as this like icon that gotcha. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't disconnect my feelings of attraction from the feelings of curated artifice, you know, right, right, right. for better or worse. Because like I, the point being, like a lot of that artifice I loved, like a lot of the videos I loved watching. I loved watching her perform. I loved her. But I, I wasn't like I was like, oh, I got to put pictures of Madonna on my wall. And you weren't you know. taking like a, the album, the CD booklet to the bathroom to jerk off to. No, I wasn't like I remember when the sex book came out, though, because they had it in the library, my like local library by my high school. And they cut out all the pages that were obscene. What? Um, Why have the they, book? This they would do happen. that with periodicals, too, because my dad subscribed to um Esquire? Esquire is not a thing anymore, I don't think. I don't think Magazine. so, no. And occasionally there'd be nudity in it, like every once oh. in a while. Or like a wet t-shirt kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, exactly. Like a Maxim, kind of. Yeah. It was like it was like the upscale Maxim. And uh, I would go, I would grab one from the, uh, to look at Esquire magazine as a high school <laughs> man, young man, and at uh, the library. And they would have cut out anything obscene. And it was always abundantly obvious. I mean, it may as well have been like, they just... Just there's a woman there and then there's just two <laughs> holes where her boobs would be that they chopped out they like they didn't even like cut they got the, the whole square. picture they <laughs> didn't know they just cut circles like, like a compass can't be nipples nipples have to be covered this is sounds like it was for someone's art project and they just made it seem like yeah that was yeah maybe it was just some somebody was like i just got need there boobs. before you is all it is i just need boobs for this collage <laughs> um this ransom note <laughs> That's totally it. Deliver one million dollars, or, or oops, <laughs> say goodbye to these. Um, Give it up, do as I say. Give it up and let me have my way. I'll give you love. I hit you like a chalk. I'll give you love. All right, so I guess the last thing we talked about the date, November 9th, 1985. We talked about the cast. Madonna, this time, this is the Virgin Tour has ended five months before her appearance. So she's a baby right now. She's got two albums out. She just finished doing the Virgin Tour. That's where she's at her career when she's hosting Saturday Night Live. Now, to watch the episode as we get into it, if you go to peacock.com to watch the episode, Mm -hmm. they cut just about everything Madonna's in. I think it's 19 minutes. Yeah, like oh. I think it's like a little bit. There's of... the opening credits, a commercial parody, weekend update. Madonna introduces Penn and Teller, then right. a Penn and Teller thing, a monologue by Denis Vance, and then Madonna says goodnight. So if you watch this episode on Peacock, yeah. all you see is Madonna introduce Penn and Teller and say thank you, goodnight. So a lot of the 
SNL on Peacock is the episodes are diminished for some reason. So I know that the musical performances, I'm sure the music is owned by the record label. But as far as sketches getting cut, my guess is that it's at the request of the host or something. Like, please take that down. Especially somebody like Madonna, I think, who's like, I don't want to or or it's like anything with Madonna's likeness requires like certain kinds of clearance because it's moved. The whole idea is it's moving from the NBC archive to an online platform to stream. So it's a new format, right? Technically a new format. So you have to pay for new rights to use it in this new digital format. And it's very possible that like the reason she's not on there is because she's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to clear any of the sketches, you know, wow. or her estate or whatever. I'm guessing. I'm, I'm really just hypothesizing that that's why. Mm-hmm. And then the same for sketches. Who knows? SNL, I mean, NBC may have had some hangups with some detail of some thing right. in a sketch or some lawsuit that they had about some actor and they can't use blah, blah, blah. Who knows? But as far as the show went and the, the stuff went, it's because we long story short long story long we found the episode <laughs> online by like doing some sort of dig digging and it is available out there you just have to sort of hunt and when you say we i think you found it Nate. there's this website called reddit uh <laughs> i don't know if you've heard uh-huh. it, but no the people will just like you know post things that are hard to find all over oh wow there are resources you can find so i found i went to one of these places i found it did i go on the dark web to watch it no, it wasn't. Yeah, We're not uh, that far down. <laughs> okay, good. Only go ahead and fix the pain and take it away. The sketches weren't like embarrassing, though. You know, like it wasn't good. <laughs> right. It's not very good, but it's not her fault. She's there's no. never a moment where you're like, oh, if someone else was doing this, this would kill. No. And I yeah. feel like she's fine. You know what I mean? Like at times, like she's, she's, she's fine. You, but you could tell like the cast in the is not an ensemble yet. So like no one's really playing off of each other for any of these sketches. This also to me felt like that time in SNL where they were like, okay, this for this section, we have to fill eight minutes. And instead of being like, let's do two four minute sketches. They're like, let's write an eight minute sketch. And it's like, yeah, eight minute sketches are hard. <laughs> yeah, they are. And I feel I mean, like that's a lot of this of like, oh, if you had just if you tightened up a lot of these sketches, they'd be even funnier. You know what I mean? I do. I, I mean, that's often the way with SNL, right? Like, yeah, the, the approach sometimes is just like, maybe if this went for like two and a half minutes longer, we can milk some more <laughs> jokes out of it. And always, we don't have to it always just set. fizzles. <laughs> yeah. I think of her performance that she like totally jumps in a hundred percent to everything that's asked of her in this show. Like, I feel like she does it. Yeah. She's not holding back at all. Yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say is that she, she does, she did what I think a lot of SNL hosts do who are actors and not comedians, which is they just are like, I just, I'm just going to commit real hard to the sketch. And the result is the result is like, it's pretty good. You know, but it's it's always when the person who's a committed actor also gets comedy that sure. you're, it's the most exciting. Those are the times when you get a Pedro Pascal or something and you're like, oh, yeah. I didn't know that you were so funny, you know, or John Hamm or, you know, somebody who yeah. surprises you. And then they become like the person you want to tune in to see. 
because you know it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin is a great example. You know, like Rob Lowe is a very famous example of a person who people didn't know how funny he was until he was on SNL. Oh. Shall we get into the episode? Let's yeah, get into it. I think the episode that we have watched was like the rerun of it. So, because there's two mm-hmm. sketches that I've seen and other like blogs that I've read about it that don't appear on this and I can't find anywhere else. One of oh, them right. was the cold open, which was a right, joke was a where good... it was Brandon Targetikoff was like drug yeah. testing with Anthony Michael Hall. And apparently it was just like didn't go over well and felt very like, and like that, that episode I think has never, that sketch has never re aired. Like, I think it was only that one time. And then I think also in the rerun, for some reason, there's this other like commercial for a fake TV show called The Critic, which is a drama about a film critic that was played by John Lovitz, who was willing to pay the price to maintain the integrity of his movie reviews. I don't know if the <laughs> sketch was just not funny or whatever, but that one is another one you can't find. But everything else is a, that apparently was from that episode has, is available in this episode that we saw. So it starts with the opening. It was fun to hear Don Pardo say, and, and your host, Madonna. Yeah. Because it felt like... It felt like at even a couple years later, it would be such a bigger deal, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it just that like hearing that was like it. She must have just been like, you know, she was like a pop star that people liked. And she was a pop star that people liked. And she had just married Sean Penn. So there was like a lot of and was happening. Yeah. yeah, A lot of. But it's very. Imagine Madonna hosted in like 92 or whatever when she did the wayne's world thing like how huge a deal that would have been Mm -hmm. uh so and that's not it's less than a decade later so you know i would probably argue to to say and as we see through her cameos as the years go on that she becomes less malleable as a performer um than she is in this 1985 well, it's funny in her cameo, she basically is playing Madonna in all of them except for one. Right. Like, yeah. True. And in that but, one, she well, yeah, we'll, we'll go, we'll get to it later because yeah, we'll, she does we'll throw herself it. into her performance of Liz Rosenberg as well. She does. So anyway, so but so, we first meet Madonna for her opening monologue. She looks she adorable. Looks adorable. She wore a hoodie and a mink stole and yeah. sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> and somehow she made it work, and she says. Your comedy love slave for the evening. Cute. Yeah. So this opening monologue, it's she does. It's like a, the joke. She's talking about her marriage to Sean Penn, and and there's this running gag about it. there's too much potato salad. Yeah, her wedding, yeah. the wedding ceremony itself. Yeah, they they had footage of the wedding. That was that was a pretty good. Pretty. It was too long, but it was pretty good. Yeah. That it was sort of like everybody in Madonna's family looks it's a like camera Madonna. hog. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Madonna. And. And at circa 85 or whatever this was. So right. basically yeah. desperate season Susan look that look. And then everybody in Sean's Penn family is like argumentative and dismissive and puts their hand, doesn't want to be on camera. It was fun. I guess my thought is like, what's your take on her? Like when she came out and said, I'm going to be your comedy love slave. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Comedy love slave. That to me was, that's the kind of stuff about Madonna that I didn't get until I was like in my twenties, you know, like I all through high school, <laughs> I mean? didn't understand. I mean, I thought she was sexy and stuff, but I, I had no idea and no grasp of her subversiveness, you know, and how much she oh, gotcha. brought to that. In on the joke kind of. Well, n- no, the fact that she said like, I will be your comedy love slave 
I didn't realize that she's like already like toying with mm-hmm. our like definitions of like romance and love and sex and and being so upfront and in your face about it the way that she always was even the term love slave to me was like in in 1985 to it's not like yeah. like we talk about a, a like a subdom relationship now and it's like a commonplace we're all very familiar <laughs> with the vernacular right sure but to talk about like have, being a love slave in the 80s is like nobody really what? knows what that means yeah and then she's like showing up for it and putting herself like i'm here use me <laughs> which because she be, at this i'm saying as a person who's like learning from your podcast because she <laughs> always was like game to bring what was kind of downtown underground yeah culture right. to pop music and that was both the music and the content and the people with, who, with whom she collaborated you know that to me you know she her relationship with sandra bernhardt relationship with keith herring like those are the things that i was like i had no idea that she was so cognizant of like, I All want right. this to be part of me, you know? Yeah. So that to me is like, I'll be your comedy love slave. That's like Madonna being a little Madonna in her monologue. You <laughs> yeah. Know? The rest of the monologue was written by the writers. You yeah. know, her outfit is her being Madonna and yeah. being like, I'm That's not going to wear a, a bustier and lace and a black veil and a thing. You know, she's like, <laughs> I'm just going to do this other thing. Yeah, like yeah. she wants to look like she's hanging out in the writer's room, but still it looked, like to me, it looked like she's like, I'm about to perform and I'm putting on a whole shitload of costumes that are going to show off my boobs and stuff. Yeah. So right. let me just wear a hoodie and a thing that's like I'm being fancy, but gritty, you know? Yeah, right. There's um, no reason for me to try to be sexy right now. Right. I'm not in character. And it's yeah, funny, so the, joke, the joke at the end it. of the sketch is that the media helicopters, it's sort of like an apocalypse now. Mm-hmm. thing descend on her wedding and then she shoots them down with a what kind of gun is that a bazooka <laughs> t-shirt cannon oh, yeah bazooka. yeah yeah rocket propelled grenade perhaps <laughs> um, yeah it's sketch comedy thing yeah. <laughs> but so that's all filmed like they filmed that somewhere it was like not a live sketch it was a um right. yeah it was a little, i thought movie. they played it for malibu but i'm pretty sure it was riverside park <laughs> that's what like it looked um, very clear to me that's what it was i was thinking there was like somewhere on long island but you're right riverside park's right there why would you go i'm almost yeah it's like it would have been like up to like 20 blocks north we have a great show tonight we have simple minds we have Penn and teller i'm not pregnant and we'll be right back do we want to talk about sketches that she's not in I guess we could just mention them. So next there's a commercial parody of it. I don't get it what it's called, Where You're Going. And it's I think it's from an old beer parody about yuppies and they're going to hell. Oh, you're going to hell. Yeah, it didn't really... It didn't really. It's one of those things where, like, oh, I wonder if it was a specific commercial at the time that you'd be like, oh, they're doing that commercial. And then that would make some of the jokes or the point of view or the satire hit harder. But I don't. Think that so. was indicative to me of the whole episode. Like, everything was just slightly off the mark for what mm-hmm. was supposed to be funny about it, you know? Right. So the whole show ended up being like, oh, it's sort of like comedy. You know, yeah, right. Which sure. is why I mentioned Terry Sweeney because Terry Sweeney was the only one who I thought was funny, who was like okay. legit funny, legit and doing funny, funny yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, let's talk right. about the next sketch. Let's get into it. Like, so the next yeah. one is it's called Royal Visit. And this had Terry Sweeney as Nancy Reagan, Randy Quaid as Ronald Reagan, John Lovitz as Prince Charles, and Madonna as Princess Di. And the whole thing is turns out to be it's uh, you know, Charles and Di are visiting the White House, and it turns out to be a um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf parody. What would you like to drink, Your Highnesses? We've got everything. Oh, scotch for me, thank you. Uh, Darling? Well, um, I'll have some brandy. What about you, Ronnie? Will you be partying with us tonight, or are you just going to sulk? <laughs> Ron, baby, just blew a press session. No, Nancy, I think I'll just sit back and watch you drink yourself into a stupor. It's the sport of presidents. Good one, Ron. Where was the wait a few minutes ago? So Terry Sweetie, I guess, like I knew about him. I don't really, I don't think I've really watched any of his stuff, but I was like, wow, he's the first openly gay cast member. And like very first episode, he's like, I'm going to be Nancy Reagan. And I'm going to do right. a sketch where I'm like, definitely a gay guy. Like, it seems so insane that he did this in the mid 80s that this happened. And like, it. Yeah. I, this is the first time I'm seeing it. Does that make sense? It. Total. I think Nancy was like part of his repertoire of characters. Like I think he auditioned with it, and it made sense. He lived in that character so yeah. well. You know, it was like you could tell he was like, "Um, <laughs> if I didn't do this before, I was meant to do this." <laughs> right, right, right. It is perfect. He's just he had the the kind of slight petite frame that made it really right perfect to play Nancy Reagan, who was this like you know elderly and I, would, like and I think Randy Ronald Reagan is pretty good he did it I think also around Reagan like that was part of his repertoire too I think it makes sense that they each did it beforehand because I felt like oh they were both funny but they weren't quite quite playing off each other mm -hmm. in a way that like you could feel like oh maybe two or three versions of the sketch in it would be even more so does that make sense am mm, I being yes. a bitch no no honestly Nancy you're revolting must you drink so much I have to drink to make you bearable. Well, it also this the whole sketch is conflict. You know, it's like I sure. why don't you stop doing that? No, you stop doing that. <laughs> right. You know, so that's why it was like it's just it's just fun to watch. Yeah, Terry Nancy Sweeney, Terry Sweeney Nancy as Reagan. Nate, Nancy Reagan trying to hit on John Lovitz as Prince Charles. I'm not surprised you're so virile, Charles. You're so lean and trim. Yes, well, I ride quite a bit, and I play polo. Well, you know, Ronnie over there is the oldest man ever to be elected president. Did you know that? Oh, for God's sakes, Nancy. Funny is Prince Charles was so phoned in, too. Like, <laughs> at least put a stick his ears out or something. You know? Madonna as Princess, Princess Diana is, is, she's doing it, yeah. Like, if she was just a cast member, you'd be like, yeah, she's in the cast. Yeah. Right. When will you understand that I am a person? That I am not something. That I am me, a person, and not just something. That you can't treat me like something, because I am not a thing. I am a person, so treat me like a person, and not a thing, because that is what I am, a person, me. Well, that pretty much says it all. That's the thing, though, is that she doesn't bring any love, you know? It was her first sketch of the night. She was nervous. She was like, okay, <laughs> got my monologue down. She doesn't quite have the skills to be better than the material. What are you going to do? You or know, like kind of outshine Terry, Terry Sweeney. I don't even think it's like, yeah, that's not going to, it's, it's not like, going to happen. But like playing at the same level. 
Yeah. The thing is, Madonna overall, I'm not going to say she's not funny, but she's not funny. She's not like it's not a, a comedy person. person. Yeah. What I feel like over time she starts to do when she's like in a situation that's like the intention here is to be funny. I think she is tends to be combative mm-hmm. when when like put in that position and right. her her attitude becomes like, don't fuck with me. Mm-hmm. Madonna, right. basically. It's it's clear it's clear that being funny is somewhat important to her. Yes. And it's for everything else that she's so good at. It's interesting to me that she's not content with that. She's like yeah. insistent <laughs> on adding funny to the list of talents, even yeah. as, you know, as recent as Tears of a Clown stuff and her banter on stage at Madame X and things like that. Like where you're like, you want to, you want people to be like, you're hilarious. And the funniest, she's not, not been funny. Like I'll give her all of a league of their own. She's great. In yeah. I think it's yeah. her greatest acting performance of all of the stuff that she's done. That's my yeah. favorite Madonna. Okay. And she's probably uh, really well directed and really well supported and really well. And really well scripted. The whole thing, yeah. you know, like. Well, I bet also uh, what happened was in that, because it was like basically her and Rosie O'Donnell. And I'm sure that Rosie was really good at being like, oh, here's how we're funny together. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So like they kind of like built that performance, their performances together in a lot of ways. V- very possible. So what you're describing to me is that thing that people do sometimes. I, I Believe me, I'm guilty of it, too. When it's like, oh, I want to be funny, so I push. Sure. And when that happens, it's it the you could start to see the seams, as it were, like you see the generating of the comedy, and you feel like uh, you're trying to be funny, and it's not as funny as just being funny. So that's her greatest performance. But then there are other times, like there's t- a lot of times in Truth or Dare that she's really funny. You know, yeah. like yeah. she's just being charming and funny because she's be- relaxed and being herself. Yeah. She's also really heartbreaking. Like there's lots of like her, you know, speaking of Sean Penn, like her talking about Sean is is kind of Mm. devastating in a way that's like, you could be that too. Like I, that's the thing with Madonna to me is that like, she has this like curated thing, pop star thing that is, she doesn't go all the way vulnerable and she doesn't go all the way. I'll make fun of myself, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's this like controlled performance thing. And that to me is like, what it's only it's gonna it's only gonna be like these special instances when you hit the mark if that's the way you operate, you know, because it's gonna be like if I'm everything's got to be controlled and I want it to be perfect, then not I don't know if that's the way she would talk about it, but a lot of times that's the way I felt. Yeah, the next sketch is what. Well, next with Simple Minds, does their little okay. performance alive and kick in? They were fun. Yeah. You'd never then oh then this that the Jones brothers, which is that Damon Waynes and Anthony Michael Hall sort of like commercial and it's yeah, feels she was real awkward. It. She's not in this one and it's real awkward and so we it's real awkward. <laughs> Are you in need of some electronic equipment? Maybe you tired of that old television. Perhaps it was stolen. 
then come on down to Two Joneses. Our prices are so low, it ought to be illegal. How do we do it? We eliminate the middleman. The only thing that was fun about it was that Damon Wayne's character. He eventually right, definitely seen it again. Yeah, we he it became a staple on in Living Color. What he like did that character oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he would like walk around with a pickle jar that he uses as a toilet. Two Joneses, our prices are insane and crazy too. Crazy too. The Jones Brothers be located at 209 South Lenox Avenue, apartment 5B. Carry on. So next weekend update. This is Dennis Miller's first time hosting weekend update. And now weekend update with anchor person Dennis Miller. What do we think? Thank you, Don. Snarky. For... The beginning of a snarky turn for did weekend you... <laughs> update. So did you? What What was your SNL like? I feel like when I first fell in love with SNL, it was a little bit after this, but it was the like because Nord Dunn, John Lovitz, Dennis Miller were still there, but it was like the Jan Hooks. Uh, Phil Hartman, yeah. Dana Carvey. Yes. Like that to me. Yes. That was like, my, that's when I started too. And so yeah, like Dennis Miller was like, that's weekend. Like that's what that he was. We can update. Yeah. He was that it was just him. So it was sort of fun. To Maybe like, oh. he, he was still doing what SNL used to do, which was fake news. Like they used to do. These are, th- this is the oh, make up news, news right? stories. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. rather than just like making fun Comments. of real news stories. He might have been the, person that did that because he his stand-up was a was political stand-up so he may have just been like i'll I'll do bits now that are jokes about the news not fake news stories yeah yeah although there was like a weird field piece in this which i don't know if he ever did that again oh right sketch yeah remote thing not funny no, that was too. I don't know. I don't know if it held my attention. It was too far out, like too many steps removed. My like once they get into like baseball humor, I'm like, yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna get it. It was just super clunky. It just, yeah. you know, let's go. Let's move on. Let's get back to Madonna. It was nice to hear. That's the news. I'm out of here, and it wasn't like a catchphrase yet. But he true, say that. Yeah. Well, that's the news. I'm out of here. Yeah. All right. So next we have El Spectacular de Marica, which was. I'm not quite sure what to describe. This is just like a. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's like a television show from somewhere south of the border. I guess maybe it was Mexico. like a variety show, a right. Spanish language variety show, starring a, a personality <laughs> named Marika. The coolest part of the sketch was it was top to bottom in Spanish. Yes. I thought that was <laughs> that was really cool and not something that they would do now, although they probably would get a bigger audience if they did. <laughs> yeah. So she did like a medley, a pop medley. She sang like, take, take On, on me, me in Spanish. Bamba. Yeah. And basically was in uh, this Latina. What are those dresses called? Kind of a flamenco. Like flamenco dress. Yeah. yeah. Definitely looked like something she might have worn like as a rehearsal dress when doing La Isla Bonita, totally. like just to get used to wearing the yeah. dress. But she hasn't reported Liza Bonita yet, or she might have reported, but it's not. Uh, it's maybe not this out gown yet. was the maybe this gown was the inspiration. Yeah, it's very Buenos Aires, Evita. And like her backup dancers Evita. are Terry Sweetie and Anthony Michael Hall. They have a joke with, with like a, 
I guess we don't need to talk about it. They have a joke with like a, a Daffy Duck, but Daffy Duck in Spanish. It's like El Pato Loco. Oh, right. And then the, yeah, the duck asks, they wheel out a duck in like a little incubator. <laughs> and the duck has his voice from off stage by somebody who has a, a knock knock joke. Do you remember this? I, yeah, I remember. Tell, this. Yeah, do what to do the joke. Do the joke. Knock knock. Who's there? TNS. TNS. Porque. Porque quien. Porque quien. And then Porque pig is the punchline. Oh, Porque pig. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you brought that up because you thought it was funny? No, it was just part of something that happens. <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was like the show, the show like early SNL sometimes was like this, where it was like, it's not a, a sketch, like sketched comedy was almost more of a happening than it was like. Right. It does feel like, oh, they hadn't figured out, like, because I feel like now, like, the science of writing sketches is so, like, Right. Been figured out by so by like all this generations of people who you know like the onion and ucb and all these people so it's like now it just well, feels like oh this is this is like a level well, it was, two class it was sketch was happening even before this in a very earnest way i mean in a right. structured written you know had been going for years the sid caesar show monty python like there were lots of, mm. of sketch comedy things but this one was Any like hill sure because <laughs> totally why didn't we see some Benny Hill in this episode? So it had this kind of like, I think SNL was like this, you know, it was this late night irreverent program of like, you're going to see some monologues from George Carlin. You're going to see a right. performance by, you know. Well, also, I mean, like uh, the next sketch is Penn and Teller just do a bit. Like they just have do a, a section. A, to- a magic trick. Yeah. Which I really was like, I don't know how they're doing it, but it was. I don't know how they did it. It was, it. Pretty, it was, a, good, yeah. it was a good trick. Very pe- early Penn and Teller because it was like so lo-fi for what they became, you know. Yeah, they, they do a card trick where Penn, yeah, Penn has to do this card trick while Teller is trapped in a tank of water and can't come out until he gets the card trick right. So the stakes of it are is that Teller death, will literally. die. Now it matters. Donna introduces him in her outfit. Yeah, from she change the, out of Marika. Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool because that's the like. A little bit of showbiz. Oh, just live, right? Yeah. In yeah. The, yeah, we're in the dressing room kind of thing. Before I introduce our next guest, I just want to say to all you moms and dads out there that if you're planning a party for the kids, don't hire these two guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Penn and Teller. It did make me. I don't like the idea of people being trapped underwater. Like, uh, I don't get excited to trapped. see. Yeah. People, you know what stressed me out about that was like, I was like, oh, this is like '80s water in the tank. (laughs) Yeah, like it was all brown, and I was like, and like kind (laughs) of tinged green. I was like, if they did this now, it would be like bright blue, like it would be chlorine (laughs) pool blue, you know? Yeah. Okay, what happened next? I don't remember. Next is the National Enquirer Theater where she plays Marilyn Monroe, and it's like Marilyn's last night, and all the Kennedys are trying to kill her. Right. But there's also like a framing device where Nora Dunn is hosting a show and John Lovitz and Anitra Vance are like experts or gossip columnists. Good evening. I'm Mala Cornell for National Enquirer Theater. Uh, Tonight we present another reenactment of a true story from the pages of the National Enquirer. Inquiring minds want to know the shocking untold story behind the death of America's greatest sex symbol, Marilyn Monroe. It was like a, a very 
early SNL concept yeah. of a sketch. <laughs> but let's just talk about her with Marilyn. So this to me was like, I, I honestly felt like Madonna came in with some ideas. And one of them was, I want to do a... I can play Marilyn Monroe. I want to yeah. play Marilyn. I, I want to play, play and Princess I want to sing. A, I want maybe she said I want to do Princess Die, and and I want to sing a song and wear this dress, you know, and sing singing right. like Take on Me in Spanish or something. And that to me was like, yeah, those seem like they're so over the plate for her. Forgive the uh, baseball metaphor. I'll explain <laughs> it. So <laughs> the, the pitch uh, comes uh, so over the comes straight over the plate, and you hit it, but it's yeah. not, and then you eat it. Because with a fork, because it's right over the plate. <laughs> oh. that so the batter steps up to the dinner plate. The and, <laughs> and then you dip the, you dip the chicken in the batter. This is yeah. The, there you go. There you go. You fry it in the pan, and then you put uh, it right over the, the plate and, and drop it down on the plate. Dig it in. Dig into the dirt, and the dirt is the chicken. We got it. So yeah, she's uh, she starts off. It's her with Joan Cusack as her maid, and then all the Kennedys come in and try to kill her. It was a little uncomfortable. Uh, going somewhere, Marilyn? <laughs> Jack, what are you doing here? I told you I never wanted to see you again. Oh, you, uh, you told me all right. Stop. Don't go any further. I'll call the police. I'm afraid that will be rather difficult, Marilyn. It seems uh, your telephone wire has uh, been a seven. Yeah, it was just about the Kennedys like wanting to rub her out because she would spill the beans on the affairs that they had. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. And that she um, like with every with every single Kennedy. Right. There's a different reason for them to want her dead. Yeah, and then yeah. Elvis comes in at some point. Right. Leave me alone! Don't touch me. Leave her, lady. Now leave her alone. <laughs> Elvis, Jack. That's right. Uh, your clowns know it's good for you. You'll clear out of here. Bronco. Now, uh, you just wait a minute, Elvis. Uh, this isn't one of your lousy movies, uh, so don't try to play the hero. Uh, you don't scare me, Kennedy. Uh, oh, mama. Nice work, Teddy. Thanks, Jack. I think I might have strained my back. It was okay. I don't know. What's the next let's just talk, Let's talk about Madonna. <laughs> like sure, she, sure. she did a great Marilyn. You know, good, very good, Marilyn. Next is the Simple Minds. We got another point. Oh, then it's Limits of the Imagination. It's the Twilight Zone sort of spoof sketch. Yeah, and Outer Limits, Twilight Zone. Yeah. It's a vast universe of images and ideas, a mystical realm of infinite variety. In this wondrous landscape of the mind, all things are possible until we reach the limits of the imagination. So this, but this sketch overall is fine. There's nothing to, yeah. Yeah, the joke is that cars are coming from within the car, and then she... it goes a little. It gets uncomfortable again. It's like a little too violent, you know. Yeah, right. John Lovitz is inside of her car, and he kind of attacks her. But again, she goes for it. She plays the. She does what's asked of her. Yeah, she plays the damsel in distress. What doesn't, what doesn't work about it isn't Madonna. No, yeah, I agree. She did. She did a pretty good job. Hello. What else? Next, pink listing. 
And this is a, a one that's sort of like a Madonna in a rare move plays a homophobe where she's the actress who doesn't want to do love scenes with actors she doesn't know because of fear of AIDS. Now in 1985, Hollywood again is gripped by paranoia, this time provoked by the tragic AIDS outbreak. Actresses refuse to do romantic scenes with unknown actors. Gay actors are forced back into the closet, leading double lives, wearing wedding bands, riding motorcycles, living in fear they will fall victim to pink listing. When she walked out on It's a Film Set, she walks out, I thought for sure she was playing Elizabeth Taylor. Did you think that? I thought Joan Crawford. Uh, not Joan Crawford. Uh, I thought Joan Collins. Yeah, yeah. Jo- or Joan Collins was the other yeah. thought yeah, that yeah. crossed my mind. Because she had the look and she was... It's the cool thing about Madonna is that she's like, she's always had this connection to old Hollywood celebrity, you know? like Yeah. Right, she likes that world. But at the same time, she's this like downtown New York, you know, ripped jeans and and torn fishnets, you know, th- right. person. And so she's the material girl and she's desperately seeking Susan. Like that to me is, yeah. is part of a fascination to me. And, and that old Hollywood thing to me is like an Uber controlled image, right? Yeah. That oh, like yeah, yeah. in every way though, like the, there's the studio Maryland, controlled it. The studios controlling. Yeah, there's exactly what's being said about you. There's the Maryland controlled version of it, which she, we know she like, over and over has manipulated and played with that right. Maryland drag mm-hmm. and the the material video, right. It is like the, is the exact number, yes. like the same yeah. set, but it's also this tongue in cheek. Like, I know that that's not, I'm writing a song about being yeah. a material girl. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But she also had her Marlena Dietrich stuff yeah. and her, her understanding of like being a subversive star in that machine. Mm-hmm. That to me is like that, that consciousness about a Madonna is one that I, it like grows and grows, you know, like the understanding of how she played with celebrity. Right. Right. When you start yes. looking at all the references, you're like, Oh, there's a lot going on here. Three dimensional chess. <clears throat> yes. Okay. So returning to the sketch, that's again, why I was like, it's Liz Taylor or it's Joan Crawford. <laughs> I mean, she may as well have been a surrogate actor, made up actor that they right. called yeah. her. I don't remember what they called her in the sketch, but. She was a big movie star, you know, on the set of whatever in the 50s. And um, then Terry Sweeney comes out as a closeted actor. Who, yeah, she doesn't want to kiss closeted actors because they could have AIDS. Right. But they don't actually say that. She's just, it's just like actors they don't want to do that they don't know. And they're like, oh, you're going to love this guy. He's the straightest guy in Hollywood. And that's Terry Sweeney. Right. And he's clearly not. How about the gazangas on that uh, makeup girl, huh? <laughs> Boy, I know the old uh, wife wouldn't be pleased with that comment, but hey, just because you're on a diet doesn't mean you can't look at the menu. <laughs> right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, and, but then he does eventually come out. And he comes does out. everyone on the entire set and crew. And everybody is gay. Yeah. I was actually pretty, like, for where, for how this started, like, the idea of, like, this is what we're making fun of or having fun with was, again, like, something that, didn't feel playful to me. Like, mm-hmm. let's have fun of like discrimination in Hollywood against people who might have a deadly disease and have to right. like, yeah, it felt very complex to me. But then when Terry Sweeney eventually breaks down and is like, I'm gay. And then the whole crew is like, yeah, I'm gay. We're all gay. We're like, all, yeah, we're right. all I thought in the closet. That was kind of sweet. Yeah. Yes, I'm gay. And now you all know. Art, you can fire me if you like, but I can't go on living a lie. 
Clint, I admire your guts. And I think you should know that I'm gay, too. That was my, I was going to ask, what, where does this lie on the like homophobia spectrum? It didn't bother me. You know? I, but part of me was just also in watching this episode, thinking about Terry Sweeney, like this was his first episode and he's got yeah. this and Nancy Reagan. I was like, this is, Im- I, it was astounding to me that this was 1985. Agreed. Yeah. I thought, agreed. I thought this was probably a Terry Sweeney idea. Yeah. And that, that yeah. actually makes it feel a lot more fun. And the fact that like Terry Sweeney, is was openly gay and playing this and talking about something also felt empowering in a way that it wouldn't have if they had not had him on there. Right. If someone else I, was yeah. play, like if yeah. Anthony Michael Hall was trying to play a closeted person, then that would feel totally weird. that wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's exactly it has to be Terry Sweeney, right? Right. Because like mm-hmm. when he sees he's trying to play uh, it tough and read the paper about the Raiders, Oakland yeah. Raiders. <laughs> right. And then he turns the headline around and it's Judy Garland says, Eliza, yeah. <gasps> oh my God. Why leave that poor Roman alone? <laughs> I was like, that's a good dumb joke. Yeah. But yeah. it, it takes a Terry Sweeney to make it work. Yeah. The I also think that sketch, you know, that, that to me, Madonna's the right person to pitch that sketch to, you know, when you're hosting and then her payoff, what was her payoff? She, actually, she was an intravenous drug user. And then oh, no right. And no, nobody wants either. to make out with her because, yeah. 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 That was the twist, the old switcheroo, mm. as we say. Well, shall we do the scene then? All right. Wait a minute. No way am I going to kiss an intravenous drug user. Get my agent. Uh, <laughs> fine, everybody. Clunky. Clunky. <laughs> a little clunky. But I thought overall kind of fun, if again, too long. Then yeah. we get uh, Denitra Vance has a monologue called Coloring Book, which was cute. It definitely felt mm-hmm. like it was either longer and they were like, that five minute thing you're doing, it's now 90 seconds. Or they were yeah. like, uh, do that thing. Go do it now. We need to feel yeah, something. They were like, that right. thing you did in your in your show Audition. that we yeah, saw yeah. that was so impressive, <laughs> that was, which is why we hired you. Can you do that again, but make it 90 seconds long and not 45? <laughs> make any sense in any way? Yeah. She helped me a lot with Binky and everything like that, but I could have avoided the whole thing with Binky if I had had this. The Cabrini Green I Don't Want a Baby Coloring Book. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a little, she got a little shafted the, the with that performance, but I love her. And, you know, like she and Terry did not last mm. long on the show, and they both. Yeah, they each were one season. Yeah, they're both the kind of talent that were like, you could have been great if you had get, been given the the time. The, yeah. The time, yeah. But so so goes. Thank you very much. Yep, Show and then there's the good nights, and that is it. That is the that is the end of the episode. It's a wrap on Madonna. That's a wrap on Madonna. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of our show. <laughs> I imagine that that party. Do you think that rap party, do you think it was like Madonna took it over? Or do you think Madonna was there for like a half hour and she's like, this is the stuffiest, you know? Oh, I think she's at the, she does like an hour half obligatory at like the official party. She -hmm. probably shows up to a next party or maybe has her own party that she's going to. Oh, that's good. 
I could also see her being like, I'm going to co- go for an hour, but then like, I, it could be like, I have to go back at, at 6 a.m. Yeah. to France. Yeah. There's a couple things in this book live from New York mm, that they yeah. talked about Madonna. Yeah, let's hear it. So as we said, we think the episode is kind of like pretty good. Okay. Apparently it's viewed as was as a very horrible episode. Like that's okay. sort of like the take on it. So James Downey, the head writer. Maybe that's why it's season. not on Peacock. That could be part of it. We opened the season with Madonna hosting the show, and there was tremendous hype. It was an offensive, dreadful show. I don't know how many shows there have been. More than 500, I would say. The Madonna show got to, has got to be considered one of the top five, I mean, in an entirely negative way. It really crippled the season from the get-go, particularly since there was a lot of people anxious to see the new group of actors fail. That first show was like an albatross for us. Years later, people would still say, I haven't watched the show since, Madonna, since that Madonna thing. It did so much wow. long-lasting damage. Which seems... Like, calm down. He seems like he's being a bit of a drama queen to me. That's what I would say. Well, what what I would say is that might be true of the episode, but it had nothing to do with Madonna. Agreed. Agreed. It just wasn't a very good rest episode. Anthony Michael Hall said, Madonna moves like a train. Everything is forward, and she's very focused and very intent upon getting it all done. Damon Wayan said, Madonna's not the friendliest person in town, but she was very, very professional. And throughout the week, she kept saying, let's do it again. Let's rehearse it again. Let's rehearse again. She worked her ass off. So that to like, me is exactly what I would expect her to be like, you know? <laughs> yeah. So what was her right. music performance like? So next, yeah. So she comes back in 1993, January 16th, 1993. Harvey Keitel is the host, and she is the musical guest. She's a cameo in the cold open, which we'll talk about later, but she performs the songs Fever and then Bad Girl. Oh. And the end, Bad Girl ends with her, I think the week before, recently before that, Sinead O'Connor had performed, and she ended one of her sets saying, Fight the Enemy, and ripping up a copy of The Pope. And so Madonna then did a fight the real enemy and held up a a picture of Joey Buttafuoco, who was at the time in the news, and ripped that up. And that was sort of a funny homage from Madonna. Mm -hmm. Fight the real enemy! You give me fever. What do we think about these performances? They're subdued. Yeah, they were subdued. She was sitting, right? Yeah, there was no... She had backup singers in a live band, but there was no like dancers. It wasn't like performative. It was like she was just right. standing there singing. She yeah, Shantou's. Like she wore like a suit, right? Like a pantsuit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, I wasn't. I thought she looked a, great. Her hair not looked a great. Fan of the hair. I didn't like the length of it. It just seemed very weird to me. It was sort of. I like, thought Fever was real good, and I thought Bad Girl was. Good. I like her eyebrows a lot during. <laughs> this is great. This time of her life. Her, she has like these, those thin eyebrows that are very like Greta Garbo-esque. Sure. What I do appreciate about her hair is that it's her face looks gorgeous, but her hair looks like quirky somehow. It's it's from a different time period or something. The nineties? No, it's like a, like she <laughs> it feels was like VH1 as a wig is what it feels. I like I thought to so me. too. I was like, it looked like uh, I'm a business woman like, who knows how to have a good time you know like that was right. sort of the whole vibe to me it was it was it was sort of like an elevated mullet of like yes, business yeah. and party yes mm-hmm. it was a elevated white wine mullet. mullet is what it was that's what it's uh, she went to the salon and said <laughs> i'll have the number 24 the white wine mullet <laughs> yep, you got it you're our fourth one today all right <laughs> The thing that I sort of wish happened more on SNL is if someone is a musical guest and they're the host, like there's a way in which you think like, well, why don't they sing a verse of that other person's song? You know, like more of a sense of like, we're just trying stuff out. I'm not doing like the single. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
I do think that if 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 we had gotten into the era of Madonna where she plays guitar live, we would have gotten a different performances That's out true. of this. I think she would have gone for something more upbeat because I, I think that stage is small, so there's not a lot of room to like right. for choreography. So I think that's why she was like, I'll just do two ballads, even though Fever has like a, a beat to it. It's mm-hmm. I think it's a ballad with a beat rather than like a, a up tempo. Sure. So she chose two ballads and just stillness. And I think that if she had guitar, we would have gotten yeah. at least one one more upbeat number. One of the two would yes. have been. True. Also, Fever has a song. I like it, but it does sort of just like stay in one place the whole time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And Bad Girl was, I guess Bad Girl was probably like the next single at this point. This is the only time she's actually performed Bad Girl. She never did it on tour. So this is what we get. That's our live version of Bad Girl. All right, so now let's go back and talk about her cameos. So she has, I believe, six official cameos that she has done where she has come back and just done like one sketch for the night. So the first one was was the cold open for the following season. So she hosted the first episode of season 11. Then she did the cold open for season 12. It was just called It Was All a Dream. It's real quick and short. It's just her going. Hi, I'm Madonna. I said Madonna. So keep in mind that she's talking about a new season that has a like a 75% new cast. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like for real a new <laughs> it was like <laughs> sorry that. about last season basically. Uh-huh. And her hair is very who's that girl. As you may recall, one year ago tonight I hosted the premiere episode of Saturday Night Live. Therefore, NBC has asked me to read the following statement concerning last year's entire season. Ready? It was all a dream, a horrible, horrible dream. So here's the thing. It's not really a sketch, but I also feel like she sells it like and she just sells it on pure charisma. Yeah. I also just think it's funny that it starts with that with sort of a neg. It it just was exactly that thing of like, was that meant to be a joke? Because I couldn't totally tell because you're not a comedian. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like. It it almost felt like what was she just legit pissed, you know? Like I don't totally get what happened, but yeah, I thought it was cool and a cool self-referential thing to make fun of the show. And but also, like it feels like since they had her back to do it and be like, it was all a bad dream. That whole first season was a bad, or that previous season was a bad dream. But she wasn't necessarily part of the bad dream. She was like, I'm still cool. Like I still did my part in that episode. In contrast yeah. to what that book says, that her episode was like the worst thing ever because of her kind of. Her next cameo was in 1991. Five years later, she comes in. Now she's in the middle of the Justify My Love era. Mm. It's This is the weekend that the movie Truth or Dare comes out. Okay, mm-hmm. so she's promo- she's promoting as well. But this is all a pre-tape. She's a, it's a Wayne's World sketch where Wayne and Garth have a Wayne specifically has a fantasy about getting in bed with Madonna. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Madonna. 
She's the queen of Babylonia. And the beauty of it is, I've had her. No way. Way? Yeah, in your dreams. And then when they cut to the video, then they do, they like basically dream themselves into Madonna's Justify My Love video or Truth yeah. or Dare. Or both, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah it's a both. All the time, yeah. The music's playing and they're doing like the other people from the, or video, imagery yeah. from the video right. are there, yeah. And then Garth is the like snaky person in the black unitard <laughs> right, the with nails, the nails, yeah. yeah. Wayne, do you want to play Truth or Dare? Truth or Dare? With me? No way. Way. No way. Way. Excellent. So, truth or dare? Truth. Have you ever made love to two women at the same time? Um, yes. I believe you. Not. Oh, yeah, she's real into the, the, the not phase of her um, comedy career. Yeah. Not. Well, I mean, they like, they made it a whole thing. It was Wayne's World's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was like part of the Wayne's World isms. Yeah, I thought she was so funny in this. I think she's great in this, and she looks so good. And the whole thing, so I mean, Mike Myers and Dana Carver are really funny too. I thought it was just great. You know, I think she was. It was like written well for her. I think they just sort of yeah, figured that out. I agree. And I think she's obviously comfortable with Mike Myers because they have a, their relationship goes beyond just this, like right. She's like she Austin Powers and like yeah. So I think she's probably comfortable with him and having a good time. Party on Wayne. Party on God. Party on Madonna. <laughs> cuts back and, and Wayne kind of like snaps out of it and he goes, "Oh, it was all a dream." Oh, and Garth is still has the pull hands. back and reveal, and Garth is is still wearing the unitard. Okay, it's, or was it? It's very Nightmare on Elm Street ending. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Welcome to Coffee Talk with your host Linda Richmond. All right, so next we got a year later. She comes back February twenty second, nineteen ninety two, for Coffee Talk. This is actually of all of her cameos is where she does a character. She's not Madonna. This is the one time that there's that. She plays a character named Liz Rosenberg, who's apparently based on her um, one of her assistants she's had for many years. Roseanne Arnold well, is the host. Is it Liz Rosenberg the name of her publicist for a oh, long her time? Her publicist, then. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, her publicist. But it feels weird that it's like it's a character based on this person, but I gave her the same exact name. This is my best friend, Liz Rosenberg. <laughs> Don't talk to me. I'm having a bad hair day. <laughs> By the way, this is my mother. She's visiting from Scottsdale. This coffee talk character has been done before. In yeah, co- in like coffee how many, talk. Like how many coffee talks there had been already? Probably been a few. Enough that they... There were certain beats that we... you knew you hit. But what is also very funny about this one is that it ends with actually Barbara Streisand coming on onto the set and surprising yep. all of them. You could tell none of them had any idea that she was there. Yeah. They're all genuinely excited yeah. and freaking out, which is really fun to see. Like a big stick of butter. <laughs> Mama! Oi! All this talk about food, I'm getting hungry, girl. Ah! Oh, 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 oh. 
I love that that happened the way it happened. You know, it's one of those things. I read about it that Lauren talked to her uh, about it and said, you should come by. We're doing a sketch that about you tomorrow. Uh, and she was like in town for a theater or do, seeing a show or something. And he convinced her to come over. And she, he, the only one that knew was Mike Myers. And he's, he wasn't sure she was going to show up. Oh, okay, so gotcha. it was like, it was like, maybe it'll happen. And then she came dashing out. I mean, imagine you're in that sketch. Right. <laughs> and the person you're talking about comes out and it's the most famous person, you know? Right. I mean, it sounds like, like Madonna was excited to see her. Yeah. Yeah, you totally. And Roseanne is like punching her in the arm. Like, <laughs> can you believe that just happened? <laughs> Which is that such was, a great thing great. to happen on SNL. Like, that's what you're like. Exactly. Oh, yeah. SNL should that's have those. totally kind of why you watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then next we have Deep House Dish. Actually, before that, now we have when she was a musical guest with Harvey Keitel. We didn't talk about her sketch. She was part of the Cold Open. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, and actually, it opens with Mike Myers as Barbara Streisand. Oh, that's right. She plays Madonna, but she's basically being Marilyn Monroe singing Happy Birthday, Mr. President, to Bill Clinton. To Bill Clinton. And the Bill Clinton is Phil Hartman, and Jana Hooks is Hillary Clinton, and Julia Sweeney is Chelsea. Happy inauguration to you. It was pretty good. You know. I think like in hindsight, we're, we now know culturally that like it's not real cool to like make fun of a teenager <laughs> going through an awkward phase. Sure. Yeah. On television. I think that like Chelsea Clinton is a s- smart person and like was probably able should to have navigate been it. Right. Yeah. But like kind of we go like, no, nah, we don't we don't like joke around about how teenagers can look awkward. But the joke at the end of this is that. Madonna's actually seducing Chelsea Clinton, not Bill Clinton. Right. right. Well, she's not like touching. She's just, like singing, she, suggesting. Singing, to her. yeah, singing to her. Happy to yeah, it's, it's cute. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Next up, Deep House Dish. Now we're at Deep House Dish, okay, October yeah. 3rd, 2009, with episode host Ryan Reynolds, Lady Gaga as the musical guest. I love Deep House Dish as like a, the idea of making fun of that genre of music, that like disposable dance tracks is funny to me because there's a lot of them. So it's Kristen Wiig that has one first, and then Ryan Reynolds sings a song. And then Madonna and Gaga come out as Madonna and Gaga. Yeah. Watch me work. What's wrong, Madonna? Can't get in. Like your wind is a fair. No, 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 no. So, so, so. What the hell is a disc 
And I would say, if nothing else, this felt so under-rehearsed. Like, you could mm-hmm. tell Madonna, like, starts dancing and does it at the wrong time, and then maybe they don't, they drop, it seems like a lot of lyrics are dropped. Yeah, they don't and even really when they're sing doing, the song. Like, when they're doing bits later on the couch, it feels very much like, what What do we do? Like, they're, like, really just, like, fighting, like, two bratty kids almost. Yeah, and the joke, so the joke of it is, I guess, is that, that Madonna and Lady Gaga are have a single together but then they get into like a fight about who's hottest and who's more talented calling it under is, is a generous very generous I, I guess the comedy of it was watching the two of them they're basically like, the ugly literally cat from cinderella yeah yeah it was like yeah. and they're in uh like they're basically half dressed and that to me was like is that what's fun is like watching two huge pop stars have a you know a very like sitcom style cat fight you know like pulling each other's head literally just pulling each other's hair you know yeah, and then like reaching behind keenan thompson's back to try like he's trying to like sit back to like keep them from slapping each other behind him which definitely yeah like, there's like a version of that joke that i i never really mind of of because it's such a sticky vaudevillian joke where one person puts their arms out like they're performing and covers the face yeah, right, of the other yeah. person, right? And then the other person does it and they just keep trying to push the other one sure. out of their way. I, it's like one of those jokes I like never mind. You know, it's always <laughs> like, right. I've seen this a hundred times and it's always fun to me. If that had been the joke where it was like, we're both in on this together and we're playfully trying to be like, I'm going to one up you. No, I'm going to one up you. No, I'm going to one up you. Then it you might wanted be them to do like a number from Chicago, which would be great. I wanted them to do. <laughs> they're in the right outfits. Yeah, I feel like if so, I could go back in time and do it, I would just have. I would not call them Madonna and Lady Gaga. I would call them like something and just be like, have them be characters. They, yeah, the gag yes. of it is just that like th- those two people are playing low rent dance divas. Uh-huh. Dance yeah, an, and here's another pitch for you. Uh, it's called in comedy. We call it the old switcheroo era. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gaga plays Madonna. Madonna plays Gaga. Yeah, there we go. You know? What kind of a name is Lady Gaga? It sounds like baby food. The kind that's never won on the Billboard chart. I said behave, bitches. It's exactly the kind of shit that I don't like. Like that kind of yeah. like under rehearsed and overdone shit. Yeah, right. Enough that Keenan, you could tell Keenan was like, stop. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, like he kept going, like, stop doing it. St- the bit is over. Yeah, it's and not working. Right on that. What I'm saying in my line is not just the line, it is also <laughs> instructions for you to stop doing this. We need to move on with the sketch. She did look great. She looked great. She, she's so, in yeah, a like MDNA mode here. Yeah, she looks fantastic. And then her final SNL appearance, four years later, she does a cameo as herself on the Barry Gibb talk show. Super weird. I, this to me, I think this might be the last time they have done Barry Gibb talk show, but it yeah. felt like a sketch, just felt like a sketch that had been done 20 times. And so it, none of the bits was. actually make any sense. When I was watching, I was like, oh, wait, did Barry Gibb like famously like lose his shit on people? Is that his thing that they're making fun uh, of on this? I, I, I don't, don't know if that's so. true. I think that's part of the joke is that like if it'd be like if you did something for Tom Hanks and he's just mean to. Him. Oh, OK. I think so it, you didn't I have like it, a, yeah. a John McEnroe sort of. No, like... <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was just the John. I, mean, I always was called the John McEnroe for disco, but for a very different reason. 
Guys, the, uh, did you hear what I just did? The... I made a sports reference. <laughs> yeah. Well Thank you. Thank you. I always uh, liked the Barry Gibb talk show because it was so random. Like, uh-huh. it just was such a strange idea to do a talk show host of it. And it was always like earnest topics. And he would always take things very seriously. And the theme song is so good, you know, sure. and catchy. And it was always with Justin. So it was whenever Justin Timberlake was on. And I, I thought it was good. But the Madonna thing was like, okay. I yeah, feel like she didn't comply with the script. Exactly. That's the thing is that when it's not just Madonna, it's just like that type of performer. That's like, I know better. Yeah. I can add something uh-huh. by being like this instead of just being like, you don't get comedy. You need to be told you need this to be is directed. The joke. Play it this yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the joke is that like, he's going to open it up to you, then freak out on you and you're going to be cowed by it. Yeah. And right. she just refused to be cowed. So then they, they just came to an impasse of like, She's not going to give up. And then they just like decided to be like, okay, we'll just move on to this other thing. It just was awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And also for some reason she like put at one point, she like puts grills in her mouth and you could tell that she thought like the audience is going to lose their goddamn mind about this. And they do not at all. You think you can come on my show and say anything you want to me? Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Where? Dude, that is exactly the kind of thing <laughs> that I remember, like when Sylvester Stallone hosted, like him improvising that maybe I'll pick my nose at some point in this Night at the Roxbury character sketch. Uh-huh. You know, like it'll just be funny, and then I'll have a booger on my finger, and I'll have to like flick it off. And it's you watch it, and you're like, "What are you doing, dude?" Like <laughs> that is a preschool level joke, and you're Sylvester Stallone, like. Be Sylvester Stallone. Don't be right. a little kid. Jo- do a little kid joke. You know, like, why does she throw a grill in? It's like, it's just weird. It, that to me is like, eh, don't try to be funny. It's like, it's like one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just be or be truthful. Truth and comedy, guys. Comedy. I'm not sure you're familiar with the concept. <laughs> <laughs> So what do, do we want to try to rate? What do we think uh, the order of her cameo appearances? Yeah, yeah, I got. I would go Wayne's World number one. Wayne's World number one. Coffee Talk and number two. Co- coffee Shop. Coffee Talk number two. Do you work uh, at the I Coffee think, Shop? Do you work at the Coffee I, Shop? I think the her just doing the cold open. Again, I do like that as a... I feel like she's pulling off something that she's like, I'm a big star. There's something yeah. about it that I like. I'm good with that. And then I feel like the next fourth place would be the inaugural gala. Probably. And then which is least successful, Deep House Dish or Barry Gibb talk show? Deep House. Barry Gibb is the the least. So I would do Deep Deep House at five. Yeah. Yeah. And then where does her whole episode land? The hosting of the whole episode, the thing that I like about it is that she's still like, which she does later in the uh, Liz Rosenberg, she and the Wayne's World, she's just like on board there to do it. And she's not like there to like fold her arms and be like, I'm just going to sit here and yeah. try to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. She delivers in that sketch, plays a character, commits, mm-hmm. yeah, does a good job with it. Yeah. I think overall, she's, she, I think she has nothing really to be embarrassed about for her SNL experience. I agree. There's been way worse. 
more embarrassing things. In SNL or for Madonna? For in SNL. <laughs> yeah. Has Madonna embarrassed herself? I don't know if I would ever say that about her. She says that the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to her was getting yanked off the stage at the Brit Awards. Oh, yeah. During, um, oh, that thing. Right. And she fell backwards. And she, but she kept singing, right? Yeah. She got back up and yeah. she did it. Yeah. It's pretty dramatic. You should watch it. Yeah, but that's a that's a that's a different kind of embarrassment. That's like a malfunction yeah. in the performance. I'm talking about I did this bit that went sideways, you know, like that mm-hmm. shit that was like a huge mistake. She yeah. Or even like she, she was drunk a, at this award show and said and did this thing. No, she doesn't have that. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Like has she ever had an episode like that? Aside yeah. from like I don't you think know, so. Most of her stuff. stuff is just like tabloid stuff where but it's also like her being shamed, you know. Tabloid stuff or just like I think like a lot of her movies, I guess. Like yeah. that movie wasn't good. Okay. Like swept away. Yeah. Yeah. But there's nothing could, like yeah. uh like a certainly like a Michael Jackson or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. I nothing mean, that's no... felt like it's gonna like challenge her career. Right. I also think that like the things that that were positioned early on in her career to embarrass her, like the Playboy and Penthouse stuff, like things that mm-hmm. she rolled with it in such a way that it didn't matter. It wasn't scandalous. Yeah. It was she like handled they, those well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking out loud when I when I talk about the podcast, I'm often like, the podcast makes me think of Madonna in a way that is different than the way I might have if I hadn't listened to it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I'm a person who, it's not that I ever, you know, lost or like, I never forgot about Madonna, but I didn't follow her through all of her albums. Like, I don't know her most recent album. I don't think I ever listened to it. You know, like right, I, right. there's several, like she lost me a few albums ago, not because I didn't like it, but because I was like, I just can't keep up. Yeah, with all right. you know, like also how so you, how we all listen to music is different, and so right. And she's not an artist that I was like, oh, I got to get the new, we got to listen to the new Madonna album, top to bottom. Yeah. You know, like I I wasn't pursuing her a relationship. But with also, that like way. if you should have, someone would have told you, and you probably would have. Exactly, exactly. So listening to it has made me go, like I said, like I I explored some of her albums that I just never listened to, and I was like, this is there's a lot of cool stuff that she did here. And it's made me reflect on her as like this kind of really important part of American pop culture for the last 40 years. And nobody nails it every time, you know? Right. But like, it's not just that. It's also, it's not just that she's been a pop star and has done like a lot, has made a lot of hits and had a lot of albums and had a lot of like, you know, changes in, in through her career. It's also the impact that she's had on the other people who came after her. Right. And after the way Blonde that we think about pop star, pop star yeah. store was different. Right. That to me is like, that's the thing with Madonna is that it's like, yeah, there's a lot of hits and there's a lot of impact that I feel like when we think of Madonna now, if I, if I brought Madonna up to someone, they would say, yeah, what's up with her face? Right, like that is just as common right. for sure. me to hear from somebody than it would be to say, "Oh yeah, her tour." You know, in fact, I think it would be more common for somebody to be like, "What's yeah. going on with her? What happened now? What's this? What's the gossip on mm-hmm. Madonna?" 
And that's why I'm thinking like, yeah, I wonder if she deserves more than she's getting. Does, does that track? She will, she will. She'll get it. It's going to be, I mean, sadly, it'll, a lot of it will happen after she dies. Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe after this tour. Like yeah. Maybe the hopefully. Tour is the thing. Possibly, yeah. Hopefully it's now. But yeah, it's going to be wild to like go back and have the same sort of media that's been critical of her this whole time like now try to reframe it as like how visionary she was right that's she was that's we were the always thing. on her side yeah that's the thing about it it that i feel like is like yet again if if this pans out to be that if that's what the returns on the tour are mm-hmm. that to me is like yeah Mad- and madonna did it she's the one that yeah. pushed the conversation <laughs> there by doing this tour because she's savvy enough to know that this is my next move. It's the right time to do this. And then that means that we've now again, redefined our relationship with her. And then she could do a new album and and the reception will be totally different than it did. It was before the tour. Without the tour. No, that'd be great. I think that like when you were talking about your experience, Nate, with Madonna, I was thinking like you probably, uh, what's the word, ingested Madonna in spaces that where like everyone was ingesting Madonna, like there was only one MTV. So MTV, mm-hmm. we all watched the same MTV. We all had, even though if I didn't like Huey Lewis in the news, I knew every Huey Lewis in the news song, mm-hmm. even if I wouldn't seek it out or ZZ Top or something like that. So there was a part of the history where everyone in anywhere knew the same kind of amount of stuff about Madonna. And then that trailed yeah. off. Right. And then yeah. people who weren't, actively paying attention weren't she wasn't in front of them and i do feel like hopefully the audience for this tour will be a lot of those people who are like yeah i haven't paid attention to madonna in a while but i love those early years she's gonna do that i'm gonna go back and see it and then she's gonna put on like a fucking kick-ass show and everyone's right. gonna be like that madonna's tour was one of the most fun things i've ever seen mm-hmm. yeah they'll probably also yeah. be surprised of like oh right i forgot about she had also all of these songs yeah yeah that's that's often the thing it's funny, like, it, when I talk to people and I go, what's your favorite Madonna song? And everybody says, like, a prayer. Yeah. It's fun to go both directions, to be like, yeah, but yeah. also this one and this one that came after. And they're like, yeah, that's great. And then also to go the other way. Right. Yeah, and to be right. Like, yeah, but borderline, you know? Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 you know? She was very, very fun. It's fun to reflect. influential, indelible mark on our pop culture <laughs> career. None of it came from her SNL performances. No, it did not. No, it did it not. It did not. I will say, I think that Madonna, the the Wayne's World Madonna thing was, was a big deal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that definitely was a big thing. Yeah, it was a merging of two things. And the were, coffee talk. I think yeah. those are two. So you are planning to see your when you find out when we know when it's happening you're hoping and planning to see the celebration tour we're gonna go yeah we we were thinking of going to pump springs to see her because it's a smaller oh. venue and we thought it might be fun but uh but we'll see all right anything you're hoping to see specifically any final mm. dreams or thoughts for the celebration i mean tour? Fr- from listening to the y- your show i didn't realize how many like how much fun she has with the, with her hits like how many mm-hmm. yeah remixes and new versions that she does so i would love to to see some you know the reinterpreted holiday or something or whatever yeah. however she because those are some of them were like oh this is cool i like yeah. this version of this so some of that would be great you know i want to there's a lot of 
songs I could list that I would love to see her do. <laughs> but also because we're in Southern California, there's something I, I have this kind of hope that there'd be some guests. surprise guests would show up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And do that a happens. number. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it is. Possible. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But I bet that I bet that'll happen. Guys, let's just hope she's, you know, yes. healthy and wish her the speedy recovery, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So is there anything you wanted to plug or tweet or anything like or uh shill or anything like that, Nate? Real quick. No. We didn't even talk about Vision Quest. We didn't, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big part of my relationship with Madonna early on. Oh, yeah. I wrestled. That was part oh, of really? the big movie. I could see oh my god. Yeah, I could wrestling. see Vision Quest. Oh my god, Vision Quest must have totally been your jam. Yeah, and also Linda Fiorentino is like a yeah, another yeah notable another key woman uh, player. in a, a straight boy's <laughs> sexual history. Sure, sure. Thank you so much for listening. If you have comments or questions or just want to reach out to us, you can reach us at thecelebrationcelebration at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram account at thecelebrationcelebration. Special thanks to Dynamo for our artwork. And if you could do us a lovely favor and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It really helps people find the show, and we appreciate it. And when you're reviewing us, just remember, we're not your bitch. Don't hang your shit on us. Okay, here's my question. Her hair is blonde because is she filming Shanghai Surprise? Because it's not in my mind. I feel like the re- the reveal in Open Your Heart video that she has that short white hair was like a shock because it was that color blonde. But the, watching this, she has pretty blonde hair. Yeah. Not pretty blonde hair, but like it, her hair is like very, very light blonde. blonde. Yeah. So I'm wondering if just the shock was the length of it in my mind and not the color of it. I don't know what else we can talk about that. But I did notice <laughs> she has platinum blonde hair. Where are we on the hair timeline? You re- why don't you have, you guys have been doing this podcast for months. I, I expect there to, to be a board behind you, yeah, 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 a yeah. whiteboard with just pictures stapled to it. Be like, we are we on the on the X Y axis? Yeah. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>